Hello, everyone, and welcome to Parentel. My name is Kayla, and this is a podcast all about honest parenting, honest pregnancy experiences, honest postpartum. That's um, really no time for fluff. I just feel like, especially as a parent, I don't like to do surface level stuff. Like I just don't have time for it. I don't have the energy for it. It doesn't feel real to me. So I naturally want a podcast that has as little of that as possible in it. Today, we're going to be talking with Peg Sadie, and she's going to be talking to us about postpartum depression. She is a psychotherapist and resilience coach. She also has her own podcast called Resilient Mom Podcast, and she also has the Resilient Mom Academy, which we're going to talk a little bit more about later in the episode. And I feel like I should preface this by saying, because I think a lot of people are going to hear what we're talking about today and be like, wait, didn't you already talk about this? And I do want to like corrections corner. We've talked about postpartum depression, like, you know, in many episodes, I've dedicated a whole episode to postpartum anxiety, but it is important to note that postpartum depression is different. It is a completely different um, topic, a completely different experience. So this is a topic that I've wanted to cover for a long time. Um, It's near and dear to my heart. And it's one of those things that one of the biggest things that we are talking about so much more in the last couple of years, but that is still met with a lot of that mental health stigma, a lot of that shame and embarrassment. And the way to get over that is to really just power through and talk about it. So that's exactly what we're going to be doing with Peg. Hi, Peg. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kayla. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah. So tell us just a little bit more um, about what you do with your work and then maybe that, how, how has that influenced um, your PPD? And then we'll kind of dive in from there. Sure. Well, you know, I'm formally trained as a psychotherapist. My oldest, when he was born, which was nearly 16 years ago, (laughs) um, I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety because I know you experienced postpartum anxiety, Kayla. Mm -hmm. being a trained therapist, <laughs> I should be know all the signs. Um, and I was like, oh, I can pull myself through this. I'm, I'll be okay. No, because nobody really prepares you for how you don't know if it's just the overwhelm of being a new mom. You don't know if it's something more, you know, I wasn't taken out the DSM, which is, you know, the diagnosis <laughs> manual. I wasn't taking that out and like diagnosing myself. I like right. was lucky if I could like get a nap or sleep. Right. <laughs> so it took me almost a year to figure out like, wow, I need to go see somebody. And I went to go see my internist and she did like, you know, the brief questionnaire. And I was like, check, check, check. <laughs> She's like, you know, do you do anything that you enjoy? Do you feel hopeless? Do you want to live, you know, all those things. And I was like, no, like I'm basically just a lump on a log and I feel Mm. paralyzed and isolated. And you're talking about the stigma and the shame of it. I didn't tell anyone, you know, I didn't reach out to everyone. I self-isolated because I'm, I've always been like the kind of person I don't want to burden anyone with my problems. Same. And it's, it's not a, it's not very healthy, right? Cause we like bottle up those emotions and mm-hmm. I like my husband knew and my mom knew, but my mom wasn't living close to me. So I'd had, I isolated myself. I lost friends. They didn't know why. 
And, um, you know, that just compounded how I was feeling and I had left my job. So for the first time ever, we had moved homes. I was, (laughs) I didn't, I know, (laughs) (laughs) you're literally about to say like my life. (laughs) Really? Yes. See, that's what happens to a lot. I don't know why us, we decide to move when we're like pregnant. So many people do this or like just had a baby. It's crazy. So yeah, it was like a new home. I had left my job. It's the first time in my life. I was, you know, didn't have my independence, you know, financially. I felt like insecure, you know, even though I have my husband, it was just like this mental block. Yeah. I was just freaking out. And then I didn't have friends and I started, I started my own company. Cause I was like this crazy person that like, <laughs> I've got to have something. And I like started a company and I work like all hours of the night when my infant was sleeping or napping. I was like a crazy person. I don't know what I was doing. So it just, um, yeah, it was just like this confounding thing. And it, I did the the traditional route, like I did try doc therapy. I went on meds and it helped a little, it got me baseline. Mm. But if anyone has an experience depression or postpartum depression, you think you see all these like lovely commercials on television. (laughs) The depression commercials are literally like, it's a joke. It's hilarious. They're like because, so sad. And then all and of like a sudden staring they love their into life. The distance in the window. And it's like, okay, no. that's actually not like, sure. You may do that. Sometimes you may feel that way sometimes, but like in do that now. life, <laughs> right? Like, hello. <laughs> that's called disassociating. Let's be clear. <laughs> and I'm a big fan. On Huge. purpose. Yes. But yeah, like depression doesn't always look like you, like you can still like have a job, start your own business and have depression. You can still take care of yourself. You can still eat and talk to people and be severely depressed at the same time. Absolutely. I think that is such a huge point to get across because I feel like if we were to slow down and really like check in with our friends baseline and allow them to really be vulnerable and just not be surface, right? Be like, how are you? Are you okay? And share our story with more moms and friends, which it took me a decade to openly start to share my story because I still felt that stigma and the shame of that experience. Yeah. And now like once you open that floodgate, it like feels so good to share it. And you, so many, again, goosebumps talking about it. And so many moms are like, oh my gosh, I can, I feel that I relate to you. I was a high function, like not in the beginning because I didn't realize what was going on. I was not high functioning. I was in survival mode, just taking care of my infant. I was still able to take care of my infant, you know, and do all the things and go to the doctor's appointments, but it was like bare minimum. That's like Mm -hmm. what I could do. Feed my child. You know, I don't even think I was like, showering, right? Like I was doing what I could, but once I started to get help, those pills, like just bring you baseline. If that, if you get on the right cocktail, if you get some, like, I mean, it's like, 
this didn't work. So like trial my, and error. Oh my God. My first pill that I took, I can't even remember what it was. It sent my anxiety through the roof. Like I felt like I was like vibrating outside of my body and I was still going on client meetings. Like it was crazy. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I had heart. the opposite experience really? with a medication where like, and thank God, I know people like, honestly, I've become such a manual reader and such like <laughs> side effects. <laughs> yes. Like, because I never would have just take known it. trust. Yeah. Yep. And it was well butrin and like, mm. you know, it's, I've also since learned that there's different ways people metabolize uh, medication in general. And then I've learned more about what an SSRI does to your body. And I've mm-hmm. learned that I'm a slow metabolizer, oh, which tends to mean okay. that the side effects hit me more. Oh, which sucks okay. like the worst. Like, wow. Cause terrible. that's a pretty common. Well, butrin is pretty yeah. common. Like a oh, first yeah. front line. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be like, Oh, no big deal. I switched from Zoloft to Wellbutrin because I I'm trying to, I think I like weaned myself off the Zoloft after like over a year or, you know, mm-hmm. with a doctor and we mm-hmm. were just trying a different one. And thank God I read the freaking side effects because it said, if within the first 72 hours of taking this, you feel extreme depression mm-hmm. and you feel essentially you feel like way more depressed and everything is super dark, stop taking this medication immediately. Wow. And that's exactly what happened to me. I think I started taking it on like a Monday. And by Wednesday, that was literally, I mean, like nothing special happened in my day, but that was one of the hardest days of my life. Like I, it's, it's like hard to even describe it. Like I felt the most down I've like ever felt in my life. I felt absolutely worthless. I was like barely functioning and I was home with my kid all day. Wow. And by the time my husband came home, terrifying. By the time my husband came home, we're sitting there eating dinner and I just start crying and he's like, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, but like something's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I just can't, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like something is going on. And that's when I remembered, oh my God, I read it in the side effects. And I kind of like snapped out of it for, yeah, like kind of just like had this like, oh shit. And I made the connection. Mm -hmm. Yes. I looked at my husband. I was like, oh, it's the medication. Oh my God. Oh my God. And like never again. So like the trial and error that that's what you were saying that you go through. It's hard enough Mm -hmm. to like work through the mental stigma of like going on medication in general. Right. And you you don't know how your body's going to react because for Zoloft, I was fine. For Wellbutrin, it was a literal nightmare, you know, like it's so hit or miss. And that is exhausting too. That like, is really hard emotionally and mentally to be like, well, how is this one going to mess me up and like make me feel worse or like hope this one works or like, oh, this dose is way too strong. I'm vibrating outside of my body. Like what is going on? Like (laughs) so stressful. Yeah. So stressful. And you're already in such a stressful place, vulnerable place. I know. And you're trusting these doctors and they're just like, take this. Or sometimes they'll add something to it. And that's what happened to me. I was like taking the medication, but then I was like, well, I'm having lots of anxiety and I'm having like near panic attacks still. And I can't sleep. I have insomnia. So they're like, well, here, take this 
anti-anxiety medication when you need it, you know, and then here's some Ambien to help you sleep. And it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It was crazy. And I'd never been on medication. Like, you know, besides, you know, Advil or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and it, even all of those, I still had such debilitating anxiety that it still wasn't enough. And then Mm. I would find myself like wanting to self-medicate with wine and that's so dangerous, right? Like, cause I was like, just please make this stop. Please Mm. let me calm down to be like a normal person. Like I, I never like needed anything, whether it was a pill or alcohol or anything. And it was Mm -hmm. just, it's a really, and like you were saying before, like being high functioning, like nobody would have known in a million years. Mm -hmm. I was like, at one point I was, I still had my business, but I took a job when my son started school. And I was like the assistant director at his Montessori school. (laughs) And I was working like 12 hours, you know, shifts. I was like opening and closing everything. And then it was like, nobody knew. And then I would come home and like, I would compartmentalize, right. I would come home and I would be like a wreck. Right. And wouldn't be able to like function. And then I would like, just, it's just, if someone hasn't yeah. experienced it or no, like, and everyone's experience is different, right? Yeah. So, and that's the, the message too, that I don't want, I want moms to realize that they're not alone in their journey and their experience is, you know, just as important and valid and should be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I think a lot of people if you've never experienced it before, mm-hmm. we, you might not realize what's happening, but I think also mm-hmm. it is really hard, especially in the beginning. Cause you're like, Oh, is this just baby blues? Yeah. And also I feel like that's the message that gets communicated to us as well. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no, like this is typical. You're just going to be sad for like a week or two. Like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I remember I was so like, this is what I say in like off, off mic. This is what I say to my husband. I'm a sad bitch. Like, I, <laughs> like I struggle, like I have anxiety and I get stressy and depressy all the time. And I was very nervous that I was going to have postpartum depression. That was mm-hmm. like up there. Top three, my biggest fears. Oh, wow. And because I just knew like already prone to depression, you know, Reddit, right. if you're pregnant and already prone to, I'm like, well, shit. Yes. <laughs> check the box. Predisposed. Yes, just checking, yep. yep. Checking all those boxes that like you can't help but check, but it doesn't mean like I'm excited about it. And I remember telling my husband because knowing enough about depression mm-hmm. and knowing that like sometimes when you're so deep in it. Um, it goes both ways. Like people have no idea mm-hmm. or also other people are the only people who are like, who are noticing and you're just mm. like, no, like I'm, I'm okay. fine. Yeah. And I remember telling him like, if after the first like seven to 14 days of giving birth, if I seem very off, you need to like nicely tell me it's time to go talk to someone. And I actually started Zoloft when I was pregnant, which helped because I, oh my gosh, my anxiety was like through the roof when I was oh, pregnant. Wow. And I had like pretty bad insomnia too, which just makes your anxiety worse. And it's just yes. like a cycle. Yeah, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So I remember telling him like, 
I just really need you to watch me because I might not be able to see it. And that's amazing. If I need to increase my medication or if I need to go see someone, I might need you to kind of like gently push me in that direction because sometimes you really, it's kind of like I keep looking at the picture behind you of the water and it's like a beautiful picture, but it reminds me, it's like a really good metaphor for depression because like you can be on top of the water swimming just fine. And no one's going to come save you because you're swimming. Like you don't need help. If you're swimming, you're fine. Or you could get so tired that you slip underneath the surface and you can see that there's stuff happening up above you, but you can't call out. And it like you, I I think a lot of, I think a lot of depressed people like fluctuate between both, especially like high functioning is like, you're swimming, you're doing it. And you're like, you don't need help. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got it. And then, you know, maybe like something switches or you're just having an extraordinarily hard time and you get tired and you stop swimming and you sink under like, like real fast. Yeah. Yes. I mean like yeah. that. And yeah. then people are so used to like, no, but you were just swimming yesterday. Like you're fine. You're fine. Right? And you're yeah. smiling. Nobody can, nobody can tell you're laughing. You're smiling. You're like, mm-hmm. I, I love to say it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle you know, mm. when you're in it, it's, yeah. you know, it, so, so like you were saying, like you're, I think that's so amazing that you had the awareness to like educate your husband and be like, listen, this is our plan because that's another thing. If you're predisposed or have already had it once and going to have a second child, I think, um, educating your loved ones around you on the signs and on the yeah. symptoms, they don't do this. It's not a normal part of your pregnancy journey, be like, this is what could happen if this happens and educating the people around you. And it's all like happy and, oh, everything's going to be great. But you're right. It's that the pregnancy blues, like that's everyone goes through that. Most everyone. Cause it's the dip in the hormones. Like you can't help it. It's going to happen no matter what. And you're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. And if you've had a traumatic birth or delivery, Mm -hmm. you know, which I had Mm -hmm. as well. So that's another check another layer. Yep. I almost lost mine in the delivery. It was a emergency cesarean. So that was traumatic. But at the time I'm not not considering it as a trauma or just like, well, this is just my journey. This is how it is. Thank God he's fine. You know, looking at the positives, but all those things affect the way you're going to heal and the support system that you have. And like my husband at the time, love his heart. Like he, you know, especially when you're young and you have your first and you don't like, I remember like moving to the bedroom on the first floor and like having my baby next to me, you know, I was breastfeeding. And then like, my husband was like, well, at one point he was like, I think I'm going to start sleeping upstairs in our bedroom because I really need to get rest for work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, looking back on it, rest? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? Like, Oh my God. Like, but he was like, he wasn't like, that was how he was coping, I guess. And and I'm just like, okay, this is how it is for now. I'm just all alone here in my room with my child recovering from surgery. Like, you know, yeah. I can't walk upstairs. Right. Exactly. And when you're healing, it's just easier to be on the first floor. Yeah, it's like I want to carry my infant if I don't have to up and down. Oh my god, I was I've I had a nightmare when I was pregnant. 
I'm telling you, my while brain you is like pregnant. Oh my! Gosh. I think it was while I was pregnant. There's can I, there's no stairs in our house. Can I okay. just tell you that there's and no you stairs? Still in had our that dream, <laughs> and I was terrified. I was terrified. I was literally gonna like trip Stop. over the air and drop it. And that is a prime example of a fucking intrusive thought. <laughs> yeah, it's intrusive. It's, it's, it's more common one. than you think, but yeah, those unless it's like causing you like real yeah. distress, like you can't. Function, I remember. But, yeah, yeah, I remember being like you know, everyone's nervous with their newborn. They're just so fragile. And you're just like, Oh my God. Oh God. Who are you? And I'm supposed to take care. I would wake up and check him, make sure he was breathing like constantly. Yep. Yep. Constantly. I was so worried about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, the other thing, well, I think I completely forgot about this repressed memory. So thank you. Because, um, I remember when my husband only got two weeks of paternity leave because that's military life for you. And um, he was going to go back to work. And not only was I terrified of like, I'm going to be home alone all day with this, like (laughs) what? (laughs) But we also had to figure out like how we were going to do like the nights and like night feedings. And I remember for the first week, maybe first two weeks that he was back at work, I did it Monday through Friday. The agreement was that he, he needed to rest and sleep because he had to go to work. And so (laughs) I also probably like volunteer. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll like oxytocin from like the hormones. Like we're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm the mom. I'll do it. Yeah. So I did Monday through Friday and he did. Um, or no, I did Monday through Thursday and he did Friday night, Saturday night. So I guess and I did you're Sunday with the baby Thursday. all day all fucking and day. you're doing it all night. Like yeah. what is wrong with us? Like it, la- I mean, oh, by, I might've been just a week by the end of the week, I was like, so exhausted. And I looked <sighs> at him and I, I said, I, I know you need sleep. Like, I know it's different. Like you do have to go like out in the world and like function, right? but I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. I am dead on my feet. And that's when we started doing every other night. And it was like, I mean, the switch was like phenomenal. Also when it wasn't your night being like, ha ha, like I can Uh just (laughs) freedom. I guess when I got breaks, like, I mean, unless your husband's like, a heart surgeon or like needs his rest because he's like saving lives, you know, yeah. like, you know, come on. So yes, I remember coffee exists would, for a reason and right. you can just drink it. Tough it out. If I yeah. have to do it, you have to do this. We both oh, made yes. this baby. Yes. <laughs> I am very, <laughs> that is my vibe. Yes. I think I literally, I've said that to Jimmy jokingly, but like, he's also like, she's not joking. <laughs> she's not joking. No, it's totally not, not a joking. joke. And I am very much like, you're, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. Right. Like we're doing this together, dude. Like I am not like no way, no freaking way. Am I doing this shit on my own? Absolutely not. Like just as, no. as it should be, mm-hmm. you know, as it yeah. should be. That's so funny. Yeah. I know. Definitely- yeah. So thank you for reminding me of that. Cause I totally forgot that like just what a choice to be like, sure. I'll do four nights in a row. Absolutely not. No, I know. And I did not expect, you know, I was just mentally prepping for our podcast today. And, um, it really, like, I didn't sleep very well last night and I didn't 
realize how much stuff this would bring up for me. Mm, Yeah. And just like you're saying, like, oh, I totally forgot about this. Like, and I was going through my journey, making mental points because I talk about my journey a lot, but I talk about just like the highlights. I don't go like deep into like every experience I've had. And I knew we're going to like dig deep and, and like really take ourselves, you know, on the ride and share our memories. And I just, I don't know if it was triggering me or like bringing up because the traumas and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a lot of stuff here, you know, I guess you mentally work through it and it doesn't just, and it's not necessarily resolved, right? Um, it's still there. Um, you heal and you move past it. But I was really surprised at how, like, once I s- started to think about one memory, it was like bringing up another one and another one. Oh, it's one. a flood. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, there is so much stuff here to unpack. And it's really kind of like making me uneasy. But I think it's so cathartic to talk about it. So I'm really glad we get to have this conversation. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, for the people who are listening, who mm-hmm. maybe haven't had their baby yet, and mm-hmm. maybe this is a fear of theirs, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, we're really honest, but we're not, you know, like none of this is to scare anyone. It's mm-hmm. really to kind of just provide this space where if you relate to this, you can feel less alone and mm-hmm. also just kind of like a general awareness. Cause I think it goes back to like, you know, no one, I feel like no one really, no one talked to me about postpartum depression mm-hmm. before I was pregnant, even the stuff that no one was telling me things while I was pregnant. It was just things that I was reading kind of like seeking out on my own or finding out on my own. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what holds us back is that we're not really talking about this until or unless you're already in it. And then it's just like, well, what is happening? Like you just feel so alone because you haven't heard anyone else talk about it before. And that's why it's so important. And I, I didn't think about it, but I should have that like, yeah, of course this might be like mildly triggering for you. And it's like, to just kind of like peek back, peel back that curtain for a second. And you're like, Oh God, nope. <laughs> never mind. <Shut> that. <laughs> yeah. Like I've already like been there, done that, but yeah. So thank you for coming on and like just being honest, especially I know in one of our previous conversations, you said that, you know, you gave birth 16 years ago and it was vastly different 16 years mm-hmm. ago. What year was that? 2006. Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So compared to now, there was just nothing. No one was talking about this. No. And you're going and talking to your therapist and your psychiatrist, like that's it. Yeah. And at the time, like looking back on it, I went to a couple of different therapists, but I was like, I don't think I had good therapists, like good enough. Like I almost felt like I was being re-traumatized during my therapy Mm. session, like by just rehashing the stuff that's like not going well, instead of like, you know, giving me like coping strategies that were like really helpful. Yeah. And when you don't have anyone to talk to, like, I, I I feel like, like, I didn't even like talk to my mom or like, or my Mm -hmm. husband, like about like my deep 
feelings. Oh yeah. Cause it's like, really, really that's on. where that shame comes in. And you're like, yeah. they're going to think they're going to think I'm incapable. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to look at me differently and judge mm-hmm. me. And they're never going to look at me the same way, or they're not going to trust me. Yeah. It, right. it takes so much um, like bravery and vulnerability to really kind of open up and be like, this is what's going on with me. This is what's going through my head. This is how I feel. And, but to get to that point is so hard because so we true. live in a world where like, that's not necessarily valued as much as everyone being like hashtag blast. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's so beautiful and amazing. And I'm wearing my pre-pregnancy jeans and I'm so cool. And this is, this is so easy. And yeah, my newborn sleeps through the night and I'm like, bullshit, 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 bullshit. Now knowing what I know, I'm like, that's not real. That's not real. No, 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 no. Like stop perpetuating that narrative. Like get that shit out of here. Yes. Oh my God. And you know, social media, it it can, you know, it can have its like, I know there are support groups online, but that can also be detrimental because if everyone's talking about all these scary things or people are going on and posting advice when they're not trained to post advice or telling you this is normal, this is not normal where... (laughs) That's not, you know, where you need to be, but yeah, there wasn't any, any, you know, other way of referencing. And, and also if you're high functioning, people don't think to ask you. Yeah. They're like, oh no, they're fine. They're always, they're I'm not going to bring it up because that might make them sad again, you know, Mm, or that might, that might, maybe they're doing okay. I'm just going to leave it as it is. We don't want to. Yeah. Rock the boat or what have mm-hmm. you. Yeah. 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 I feel like if I had shared my healing journey, like what was going on um, with the people closest to me, um, because not having a support system, not having connections with others, like genuine, authentic connections really is a check right on that list of yeah, what, will affect your journey, your healing journey. And because I didn't do that, I feel like I would have had a vastly different experience if I had done that. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like mine kind of turned chronic. Mine Mm -hmm. lasted for several years, many years, and it continued on um, because I did, you know, it's, there's a term for it. It's called psychological airbrushing. It's when you, I love this term, (laughs) but it's when you live your life in a way that you're presenting to others, excuse me, this pretty picture of your life and who you are. Yeah. And if you're high functioning with depression, that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you're internalizing and compartmentalizing all of this hurt and sadness and resentment. I remember having a lot of resentment because mm. um, I felt it's like powerful, hus- powerful oh. thing. Yeah. And my husband was just like living his best life. I felt like, and I was just like drowning it. That's what I always refer to it as. It's like, and it's not like a metaphor I use about it. And it's so funny because it's, it's on my website, actually, how I talk about 
my postpartum journey. And it's so interesting that you refer to this water behind me. I know I, got, I keep staring at it. I'm like, I wow, just this got is goosebumps like... again <laughs> because <clears throat> if you go to my website in the about me part, it tells you, I, I write about, I think sometimes it comes easier for me to put things in words. I write about my postpartum journey. I'm a writer at heart. And, um, I write about the abyss of postpartum depression and that it's not um, a vertical journey, you know, yeah. for any mom, like the healing process, like take the magic happy pill and you're going to be good again. No. I, yeah. And I refer to it as this um, ride in a stormy ocean, you know, and you don't like, you have all these highs and lows and ups and downs before you can actually make it to your destination. And it's yeah. not a simple journey and everyone's is different. So yeah. 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 It's so true. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing yours. Um, just wrapping it up a little bit. Um, it's, I guess asking this question is almost like, I mean, at the end of the conversation, I'm always like, Hmm, I think I maybe know how this person's going to answer. But for <laughs> in this case, it's like, almost makes me sad because I feel like, you know, the question, how has being a parent changed as a person mm -hmm. with us discussing postpartum depression? It's like, that has to be like, come to your mind a little bit. Well, I, I when I became a parent, I, that's when my struggle with depression started, you know, like, so I guess that's like, I almost want to be like, sorry, I'm asking this question. <laughs> sorry. <No>. But <laughs> how, has being, sorry. <laughs> how has being a parent, you. yeah, changed you, you know, aside from, and then humor is like my number one defense mechanism. So I'll just switch to humor aside from the PPD. <laughs> how has being a parent changed you as a person? Like besides that, it completely traumatized me. No, <laughs> you know, beside the trauma, <laughs> it'll never be the same. No. Mm -hmm. um, no one's ever the same after they become a parent, but <laughs> of course, I want to say, honestly, um, the biggest thing it did for me, because I'm such a, like a type a, like high achiever. I always have like my eye on the prize. And I was like, always focused, goal oriented, like, and even if, you know, I, I've experienced other traumas in my past and as we all have, but I, I'm always able to like kind of compartmentalize and like move forward. Um, becoming a parent kind of, you know, brought up a lot of my stuff that maybe I hadn't dealt with um, from childhood growing up. And I didn't have like, you know, those, I didn't have like the major traumas, you know, I had a really wonderful childhood. My parents were great and I had everything I could want and ask for. So it wasn't on that level, but it was, you know, it was more of like maybe micro traumas. I like to refer to them as and like, um, death, I call it like death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm, <laughs> Motherhood yeah. is that as well. Right. So yeah. like little murders, right. Like these things that we, that affect us emotionally and we internalize, but it brought up a lot of, a lot of things for me that enforce me to, to look at them and identify, well, what kind of parent do I want to be? And, and, and really reflect on my journey growing up and how I feel because of my experiences and how I want to make sure 
my child feels and experiences their childhood. So that to me was the biggest shift, really that self-awareness. It was kind of forced, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that even if you don't necessarily realize it's happening to you, it's happening. It's, you know, it's very important, or I think it helps to like be able to acknowledge it. Um, But yeah, the self-awareness that just about your own life, your own childhood, and then Mm -hmm. what you're passing on, like Mm. what you're presenting to your child. It's a lot. Even as I say it, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I know. it's, it's, it's a a such a huge responsibility and the legacy, you know, I talk a lot about reshaping your legacy or family legacy. And this is why I think so many moms with little kids are so interested in conscious parenting because they realize how they grew up is not how they want their kids to grow up, but mm-hmm. reflexively, unconsciously we parent from that place unless we get really intentional, right. And really start to look at our stuff. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. It's not easy to like change that automatic parenting style, but I think more and more moms are and parents in general are realizing that, yes, I want to break this cycle. I don't want to yell. I don't want to do this. I don't want to, have my child experience what I experienced. Yeah, absolutely. Really powerful. And it is, yeah. yeah. And it's that conscious, my husband and I were just talking about this. It is a choice yeah. that you wake up and you make mm-hmm. every single day. And sometimes you do a great job and you're like, oh my God, yes. Like <laughs> cycle breaker. And then- <laughs> Hashtag cycle breaker. I love it. <laughs> And then other days you're like, oh fuck. Like, wow. I I just sounded like, yeah. Like I just sounded like my mom or I just sounded like my dad. And you're like, oh my God, well, they're going to need therapy for that one. That's (laughs) going to be totally messing them up. (laughs) Yeah. But it, but you are still every, no matter if it's like, you know, your best day or your worst day, you're still making that choice to pay attention to how you're parenting every single day. And it is literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, isn't that crazy? I know because you don't realize everyone's like, Oh, it's great. It's natural. It's second nature. No, it's not no, <laughs> like it's not. keeping them alive might be like second nature. Yeah. Right. But then yeah. there's this whole other th- and it, aspect of it. And I always tell moms that, yeah, it's not a simple journey. It is like the hardest thing you'll ever do, especially if you're consciously mm-hmm. wanting to reshape your legacy and you're not going to get it right every day. And then as, as long as you're self-aware and you self-correct as you go, yeah, right. Then you're good. Yeah. Right. It, it, that's all you can do is your best. And every moment, you know, is an opportunity and a chance to do better and do things yeah. differently. Yeah. And I think it's, I was just, so we're getting ready to move as you know, and I've felt really guilty lately for putting Robin in front of a screen a lot because my husband and I are (laughs) on the computer doing stuff or we're looking at houses on our phones and we need, you know, time to talk. And, um, earlier today we were, my mother-in-law was getting ready to FaceTime us to look at a house. And so I asked Robin like, Oh my gosh, you, you know, like you get to watch a show, what show would you like to watch? And he picked Dora the Explorer, which is like, and he so was cute. like, 
yeah. And he was like interacting with it, you know, cause it's interaction. It was like so cute. But as I was like running back into the kitchen to like, look at the house with my husband or something, I felt this pang of guilt, but then mm. that's how I know, like I'm doing an okay job almost immediately, like cutting off the guilt. It was like, Nope. I'm doing my best. Like we're doing the best we can right now. Like things are kind of crazy, but we're doing this because we want him to live in a great house. Like we are doing, like we are providing for him right now. It's like, you know, he's getting a little less interaction with us because we're busy and stressed doing this, but like I am doing my best and it immediately kind of just neutralized my guilt. And I was able to just let it go and move on. That's so good. That's so good that you're able to like catch it, you know, and the more you do that, the more second nature it becomes So like, you know, people are all the time. Like, I feel I'm a terrible mom or I'm a horrible mom because you have this idea of what your kids shouldn't be in front of the screen or, or they're not doing these activities that the other kids are doing or whatever. Yeah. And just redefining it and just being like, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love my kid and I'm just doing my best and that's all I can do. And trust me, I'm, I'm at home (laughs) in the same boat. Like I feel really guilty too, because my six-year-old is in front of his screen a lot because I'm have appointments and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm working as well. And, and it's kind of like, I want, I don't want to put him in camp all week, you know, because like for personal reasons, like I, I want to spend time with him, but at the same time, (laughs) I need time to do my work. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I need you to be busy and contained doing something else because I, I cannot be like directly supervising you right now. I can supervise you from a distance right now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I totally feel you on that guilt. It is this pang and and this comparison. And like you were saying earlier, which is so true with the social media aspect of how fake it is and the people's highlight reels. And it's funny because the mom clients that I work with, they express to me, you know, how they're feeling and what's going on in their lives. And I see their social media and you would never in a million years, so beautiful. They're traveling, they're doing these amazing Mm -hmm. things with their kids. But I know because I hear I know you just got diagnosed with postpartum depression and you're struggling and, or you're having debilitating anxiety or you and your husband are having issues or whatever, or you're feeling all this mom guilt, just like all the other moms. And um, I was talking with another mom the other day, and she was saying that she believes that social media is porn for moms. (laughs) And at first I was like, what do you mean? Like it's addictive. And she was like, no, it's like this unrealistic thing, right? That you look at it, you watch it just like, like men watch porn or whatever. Women, obviously women watch porn too. But, yeah. Um, that you think that that's how intimacy should be, right? That you watch mm-hmm. it. But we look at social media and we identify and say, oh my gosh, that's what my life should look like. Yeah. Sub, you know, the subconscious like yep. reaction and yeah. it's so detrimental. It's so bad for our psyche. Yeah, it is very, 
very harmful if you oh, are, is. especially if you're just like mindlessly consuming. We, I feel like in this conversation about social media, we always end up coming back to like curating your feed, setting those screen time limits. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling shitty about yourself because you're looking at the content of someone else, unfollow, unfollow. them. Unfollow. Block yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Like you can literally just stop looking. I mean, it takes a say. Again, you have to have that awareness of like, okay, this person's making me feel like shit. I don't want to feel this way. I'm going to go ahead and exit them out of my life. And it takes a second to get there. But I I think more and more people are getting to that point because we are realizing that like, this is not real. This is not real life. And that, you know, we do have the power to be able to see what we want to see on social media, which is like, it's a double-edged sword. That's that's part of the problem. (laughs) But you have to like, you know, what is the phrase? Like, make the system, like make the system work for you essentially. And just unfollow people and take breaks from it. And also constantly remind yourself that like, yes, that's a gorgeous picture. Oh my God. She's in Costa Rica. That's amazing. But I bet you she's like having crazy diarrhea right now. Like literally make (laughs) shit up about people. This is what I do in my head. Like, I love it. Right away, it brings you. You're like, oh, I don't care. This oh. isn't real. I don't care about yeah. this. You're like, that person's had food poisoning. What they might have had food poisoning last night. You know, like you literally, like everybody poops. Everybody has food poisoning. Even like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> like even these celebrities. And it, right. for me, it always brings me right back down. And I'm like, all right, they're just a person. That doesn't matter. I know, Excellent. and we know these celebrities' lives are. I mean, look how many celebrities like are miserable, and they quote yeah. unquote like look like they have everything Mm -hmm. in the world and they can't stay married. They have financial issues still like all these things and they should be like, they're still just human beings. Yeah. Like we're all just human beings. Like we're really just pooping, peeing, eating, sleeping human (laughs) beings. So like, it's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) So true. I know. I, I kind of hate it so much. I love it because it's allowed me to like meet you and so many other amazing moms, you know, but it's like, a, like you said, a double-edged sword. It's this, yeah, this animal, this, I, and I think, like you said, more people are realizing and acknowledging that, and the trend is leading towards more authentic yeah, information, yeah. but then there's the other side of it where people are like sharing their horribly sad stories and being like, I shouldn't laugh with that. Posting pick, pe- pe- I don't know. I'm sorry if this is you, not, not you, but anyone listening yeah, yeah. to this has done this, but people who post those pictures of themselves crying with oh, like God, eye I hate makeup that coming down lately. their face. I hate I'm it. Like, Go away. This is ridiculous. Okay. This is not authentic. This is not no. genuine because what you're, no, you're not even allowing yourself to be sad or feel pain. You're like stopping what you're doing to take a photo of yourself. And then, yeah. (laughs) And then curate a caption to go along with it. Like, yeah, it's very strange. It is crazy. You have that like extreme, like, I mean, recently, and, and I practice what I preach, like with my moms, I'm always like, you know, your energy is everything. Listen to what your body is telling you. Your body doesn't lie when you need rest, when you need time, when you need space, take it. And Recently, I had a really hard season, like over the winter months, I had some um, personal loss and um, a lot of anxiety and stress come up for me. So I took time off social media. I was like, whatever, you know, I'm not going to let it 
make me worse and it's not going anywhere. It's going to be there where I get back when I get back. So yeah. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You can always just pick right back up where you left off because it like, it just keeps happening. So if you need to take a break from it, you're really not miss, you know, like, but there is that FOMO, like, but you kind of have to work through that of like, you're really not missing out. You're not missing. And I see, I've seen a lot more people do this, like that just put on their thing. I took a break. Like, yeah, sorry. It definitely is popping up more. Yeah. 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 Which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Very last question. Mm -hmm. Lawn chair moment for you recently. (laughs) Yes. Um, I was trying to think about this earlier and I want to say, okay. I want to say my lawn chair moment recently was my COVID and the fact that my husband had it and then he gave it to me. Thanks, Devin. And (laughs) I'm just throwing him under the bus, but, um, he recovered pretty quickly. It was about, you know, like a week Mm -hmm. or so. And mine, his symptoms were more severe, but he recovered really quickly. My symptoms were less severe, but I started to book appointments and be like, okay, it'll be a week out. I'll be fine. Book appointments. And I realized I am not doing well. This is not going well for me. That fatigue deep in my bones, the mental fog. Um, I was listening to my body and this is practicing self-care because, you know, I always say to moms like self-care is not, I hate the fluffiness of self-care yeah. bubble baths and, you know, date night the capitalism or aspects of yes, it. Yeah. That you can post on your social and be like, this is how I'm taking care of myself. Vacation. Mm-hmm. Woohoo. Spa day. No. Yeah. Self-care is just really knowing your limits and your boundaries and that self-awareness about what you need from moment to moment. And I allowed myself to cancel my appointments. And I remember even canceling, like last minute, I was like, listen, I really want to do this, but I can't. Like my energy is just not there. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for me. And I just slept and I rested. And if it, if I had a pocket of energy, I would do something that I would, would make me feel a little bit better. And I would be like, and I use this when moments, when I have moments of downtime, and I always recommend this to, to any mom who's struggling is like, I'll, when I wake up, I'll ask myself, you know, what's the one promise I'm going to keep to myself today? Because I feel like as moms, we feel like we need to do all the things and the world's going to fall apart if we don't, we don't do the laundry and do this and blah, blah, blah. But we have a part, if we have a partner, we have a partner for a reason. They can pick up some slack. Nothing's going to, your kids aren't going to die, you know, if you don't read them a bedtime story. Yeah. And um, we tend to want to take everything on, but I was just like, what's the one promise I'm going to keep to myself today. And when I got a little bit of energy back, I was like, I'm going to cook dinner for my family. I'm not going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to have my husband do that, but I'm mm. going to cook dinner because for me, that's relaxing. And, yeah. and I really enjoy it. It reduces my stress, but that's all I would do. Like, um, and if I didn't feel like it, I wouldn't do it. But that is my launcher moment of self-care that I allowed myself almost four weeks of that reprieve and not feeling guilty about it, not feeling 
sad that I couldn't do the other things or that my husband had to do these things to compensate. But I was like, you know what, if I push myself and try to start doing all the things again, this can become chronic, which it can, and and it'll stay even longer. And I think uh, us as moms, we try to do too much and it can really, really hurt us. And I know that's why my PPD became chronic was because yeah. I was doing too much and trying to do all the things. And I have since learned to listen to my body and practice what I preach, which is <laughs> that self-awareness of that self-care. So that was a long answer. <laughs> That's my long-term moment yeah, <laughs> recently. I mean, yeah. Listening to your body. I think I've seen or read um, maybe at least twice, you know, that like your body is constantly giving you signals and mm-hmm it's your choice. You have to choose whether or not to listen to them. And Mm -hmm. that's up until a certain point, because eventually your body doesn't give you a choice anymore. And it's like, you know, girl, you need to slow down (laughs) or like, you know, like you need to go to the doctor, you need to sleep, you need to eat. Like your body is, that's literally what our bodies are made for constantly sending us signals. And when you choose to keep ignoring them, mm-hmm. that's when you end up hitting that burnout. That's when you end up getting sick. That's when you end up exploding in rage on someone. So yeah, I am exactly yes, listening, listening to your body. That is like almost the that's like the daily lawn chair moment that you could have for yourself. It's, it is that promise that like I'm gonna pay attention to what mm-hmm. my body is telling me. And it's hard to do that when kind of seems like everything else is telling you not to do that. <laughs> right. Cause you have all these things to do. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? That's yep. it's like your mind like takes over. And I'll tell you, this happened to me when COVID hit, you know, because I still get bouts of anxiety and depression every once in a while. Um, so that's why I have to be really intentional about my self-care um, and manage that. And that's why I listen to my body, but COVID happened and this is so unprecedented, right? I had so much stress and anxiety from deciding if I was going to allow my kids to go back in person. And I was literally like having like panic attacks, nervous, like insomnia. And I started to physically manifest my stress and anxiety. I was having numbness and paralysis on Mm. one side of my body. I had an eye twitch in my left eye. Oh my God. I used to have the worst two weeks. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was so bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a nightmare. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And, and I, um, I started to have numbness in my face and I went to my doc because I'm like, Oh my God, I have MS. Like, this is horrible. I'm dying. Like what's happening. I went to my internist and she did a whole workup on me my blood pressure was like skyrocketed, you know, I almost drove myself to the emergency room one night because I I had so much pressure on my chest. My husband was out of town and I thought I'm just going to leave my kids here because I don't want to traumatize him. (laughs) Yeah. I, and I was like, I don't want them to come and find me dead on the floor, like in my bedroom. It was like, I was losing my mind, but all the tests and everything she did, we just deduced that it was stress. Yeah, And it had physically manifested to that point. And that's how much I was killing myself with these. Because at the time, I thought every decision I was making for my kids' health, do I vaccinate them? Do I send them to school? Oh, it's do or die. It was life or death. 
Like I literally thought like, we don't know anything about this virus. Like, Mm -hmm. should I even leave the house? Do you know, I didn't go to the grocery store for one year. Oh, I believe it. During COVID. Like I was so scared and my husband would go do it or I'd like order it to the house or whatever and pay the extra whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like 20 or 30% more expensive. I didn't care. Worth it to not get COVID and then maybe die and leave your children without a mother. Like I know exactly the line of thinking that you are talking about. Mike, it's completely paralyzing, debilitating. Mm -hmm. And I envied people that didn't have this paralytic um, experience. Yeah. I was like, how yeah. are they functioning? How are they just like, Oh, I'm just going to send them back and it's all good. It's fine. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm just going to give them a vaccine and not even it's fine. I'm just yeah. like, Oh my God. And I'm overthinker anyway. Like I'm an HSP, like highly sensitive empath. So every th- decision I make, is like, it takes me a really long time. Like even like making a purchase on Amazon, I'm like, do I get this one or that one? <laughs> so that like really literally almost sent me to the emergency room. I was like oh beside my myself, but yeah, the mommy burnout, it's no joke. It's a real yeah. deal. And yep. Your body, you slow down or your body will force you to. It forced eventually. me to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> on the floor, clutching my chest. Like, oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> like this, this is has it. To change. This is it. <laughs> oh my horrible, God. horrible, horrible. I know. Well, where can people find you on social media to learn more about you and about what you're doing? Sure. Um, I'm on Facebook at Peg Sadie Coaching. And, but my social media of choice is Instagram. So I'm much more active. Yeah. (laughs) Don't really like Facebook very much. Can't get into it. Can't get into it. I know. The only reason I'm kind of on there is because, like, you can do groups. And I started like a group for something. Yeah. Yeah, But I really don't like it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and that's been the consensus of most moms I talk to. It's not like their fave place. Yeah. So that's good to know. I think it's kind of like also an older generation more so thing. Most younger people are on, but I love Instagram and, um, I met, um, peg dot Sadie S A D I E. And my website is pegsadie.com. Easy. Love it. Yeah. Easy. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, Oh, did you want to talk about the. the Oh, yes. I would love to share. Yes. With your listeners. um, I have a conscious parenting masterclass, free masterclass. And I used to offer this as part of a seven day retreat, which um, it's no longer included in that. So, um, I offer it as a freestanding class because it was the most popular day of the retreat. <laughs> and, um, I just, it's a beautiful, um, experience as far as relating to your children and just building that self-awareness. And I get so much great feedback on it. So, um, you can go to my website, um, pegsadie.com forward slash parenting, and it'll take you to that um, free conscious parenting masterclass. Awesome. I can also put it in the show notes. And then, oh, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, when the episode's out, I can also put it in um, like a link in the stories and stuff like that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us and kind of like, you know, reopening 
that trauma. It's definitely <laughs> something that, you know, depending on the topic of the episode, it happens to me sometimes it's happening mm-hmm. to my guests. It's happening to both of us. And it's not easy to kind of like peel back and revisit something that was really, really challenging for you. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Oh, you're so welcome. It was totally my pleasure, Kayla. I always have so much fun talking with you. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, I could talk to you for hours. I and, know. <laughs> um, like really. <laughs> and um, no, I'm so glad we did this. It's, you know, this is necessary for us to share our authentic journey and story for other moms to feel less alone. And I just think it's so important to end that stigma of maternal mental health by just simply, literally just by talking and sharing. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you so much. And you guys know (laughs) that if you want to, I'm also on Instagram. I, yeah, I've tried, I've tried Facebook for the podcast. It's just really not my jam. So (laughs) if you want to also follow me, if you're not following me already on Instagram, it's at parent tell, and I will talk to you guys later. Thank you, Peg. Thanks, Kayla. Bye. Wow. Okay. That was a really amazing episode. As you could probably tell, I actually recorded with Peg before we moved from North Carolina to Virginia. We recorded that almost three full months ago, which blows my mind. I really hope you guys enjoyed our first full episode back. We are here. We are doing things differently and I guess better. And yet I'm still using we like I have anyone helping me. or working with me on this podcast. You guys, it is still all me. So I actually started a Patreon because I love doing this by myself, but I have realized that I could use some help. And I'm also looking to keep building this community on a deeper level. So I'm gonna put the link in the show notes. Now, if you're new to a Patreon, a Patreon page is essentially where artists, small businesses can create a page. And if you support and love this small business or this artist, you go and become a patron. So a patron is someone who contributes a small monetary amount, and then you receive a perk or a benefit. If you go to the Parentel Patreon page, you get a chance to become a member of the Parentel Podcast Patreon page. So like I said, there are four tiers of membership. The support her is the first membership level. It's just for $3 a month. So if you love listening to the podcast and simply just want the podcast to keep going, then this is the tier for you. It's just a general support tier and I'll send you a parentel sticker. The second tier is that's my mom friend. It's $5 per month and you get to be on the close friends list of the parentel Instagram page. You'll get stories talking about behind the scenes info, my unfiltered opinions with me occasionally dropping names, which I do not do on my normal stories. And you might even get the occasional gossip. So it is a tier-based system. So of course, with the That's My Mom Friend for $5 a month, you are still a general supporter, you get the sticker, and then you just get to be on the close friends list. The third level is the slacker parent. 
And it's not what you think. It's a play on words. So for $7 a month, you get to be in a Slack group that I'm creating. It's going to be solidary for all things pregnancy, parenting, and honestly, just living and breathing in this time of wherever you are in your life. So patrons can chat with me personally. You can chat with each other. You can even make suggestions for future podcast episode topics. I'm going to have separate channels for moms, dads, and non-parents. And then of course, there'll be one massive channel for everyone. The last tier is called lawn chairing. You guys knew I was going to throw it in there somewhere. This is the top tier. And for $10 a month, you can join me for a monthly happy hour. Bring the beverage of your choice. And we're just going to hang out and probably end up discussing everything and nothing at the same time. It's essentially going to be a group lawn chair moment. So if you like this podcast, if you want it to keep going, I would really love for you guys to just join the Patreon. It's such a good way to support me and also a good way to get to know each other on a little deeper level. We're almost two years into this podcast, which truly blows my mind. I can't believe we are coming up on two years. So kind of as a way to keep growing as we hit that two-year mark, I wanted to create this Patreon page for you guys and for myself as we just continue to parent and tell you guys about it. So that's all for me. And you know, as always, you can find me on Instagram at parentel and I will see you next week. Bye.